All right, everyone. All right. Um, nice to see you. Um, to for see those you. that to see you. Nice. nice. Hey, here we go. Um, we're warmed up. Yes, I am speaking, um, and we're actually uh, we're starting a new series here at church. Um, I know, be excited. Um, and that series is called Sacred. And we're looking back, actually sacred, um, the word means um, set apart. Um, it is looking at um, this series, some of the things that we do as Christians that we read through the Bible um, that are our distinctives, our USPs, um, the things that, that set us apart. And some of them are kind of strange from reading them at first look. And so we want to unpack some of these really important important, essential things um, to our faith um, through reading the Bible and through understanding them. I want to tell you, sometimes we can get this wrong as Christians. Um, I've been to some wonderful churches before, um, but my goodness, have I heard some peculiar things. Um, there was one time I had turned up to a, a church, an amazing church, a lovely welcome, um, but someone came up to me on the welcome team. They shook my hand and said, brother, are you bathing in the blood of the Lamb? I thought, wow, that's a good thing to say <laughs> to someone that you've never met before. Um, a wonderful um, kind of deep truth there um, that because I've been around for a bit, I knew what that meant, so I was not super freaked out. But imagine if you're brand new, that's pretty uh, freaky, you know? Come to the blood pool and start bathing. Um, but we want to um, demystify some of these things. We want to go into these really essential, sacred things that are really important for our faith. We want to demystify them. We want to touch on them. We want to um, read from the Bible. We want to see um, what they can teach us um, and how that should affect our practices as people who follow Jesus. Um, so if you're brand new um, to faith, feel really welcome. Um, this is almost like a little behind the scenes of some of the stuff that we do. But we'd also love to invite you, as well as you just seeing what's going on here at church, we'd love to invite you to participate in it in some way. Um, so stay tuned for that. But like I said, we're going into the Bible. So we're going to have two readings. Yes, two readings. Um, so if you've got your Bible, um, now's your time to get it out. Um, we are going to be um, turning first to a passage in Luke. Um, it's Luke's gospel. Um, this is um, the life of Jesus. Um, we're going to go into Luke 22, verse 14 through to 22. Then after that, we're going to be going into a verse in 1 Corinthians, um, which is going to be um, uh, an apostle, Paul, uh, who is looking back uh, and almost drawing from the teachings of Jesus, bring it into a practical workings out of the church. But here's the, the passage, Luke 22, 14 through to 22. Again, if you don't have any Bibles, actually, if you're here, you're brand new to faith and you don't have a Bible, I'd love to get you a Bible. It's an amazing book. I genuinely believe it will change your life. So if you don't have a Bible, brand new to faith, um, or just exploring, come chat to me. I'll have to take out a loan probably to buy a load of Bibles. Um, but that's okay. Um, so anyway, I digress. Here we go. Luke 22, verse 14. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After the taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to the man who betrays me. A lot of stuff going on there, which we will unpack. But skip forward again to 1 Corinthians 11. And here is Paul, who is almost rephrasing exactly what we just read there um, of uh, Jesus and Jesus' life. And it's 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through to 29. It says this, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, there's a lot going on there, which we want to dig into, because today's topic is on communion. And you might have heard it in lots of different ways, lots of different words. It might have been called the Eucharist, Mass, Holy Communion, the Lord's Supper, or just plain old communion. Um, And that is what we're going to be looking at. That is directly taken from these two passages in the Bible that we've read. But first, I wanted to share a little bit of my life because, well, I haven't had a very interesting life to be totally honest, Um, but I'd love to share with you some of my family photos, some of the things that have been going on in my life over all the time that I've been alive, 32 years that I've been around. Um, Chanel, can you pop up that first photo? There I am. I'm the one in the middle with my two kids. No, I'm joking. Um, that's not me. Um, I'm the one on the left-hand side. There's me, little Matthew. Little Matthew next to my, my father, Timothy. Um, my little brother, Jonathan, um, we had a great time growing up. Actually, we'd often sit around on the dinner table, still now reminiscing of the beautiful days that we had together, um, of little fancy dress parties. We've got a little photo of, uh, of me uh, dressed up. Hey, look at that guy. Stop it. Um, we loved me and my brother dressing up. Um, we, when we were babysat by my auntie, um, she would uh, regularly be um, forced um, to watch us dress up and put on a, a range of different plays. And still to this day, when we sit around the dinner table, uh, we will reminisce on some of those amazing times. Um, they're beautiful moments that bond us together as a family. Um, But not only has that been a a key memory in my life, I also um, had the privilege, um, actually it's really hard work, I I finished school and I saved up for ages um, to go on a gap year with some friends. I know, we had a great old time. Look at that, we traveled around the world and um, this is us um, in Australia um, and we were on some sand dunes that were on a hill maybe this big and everyone was kind of sand surfing um, down them and as as a group of friends we jumped on a a bodyboard stacked on top of each other bombed it down a hill Um, everyone uh, dispersed Uh, we knocked over a a few people Um, we ended up at the bottom of this huge hill um, in a big old pile but again we gathered together as friends and that was over 10 years ago over 10 years ago, I know, I had hair. <laughs> um, and 
it was a wonderful moment um, that we still, to this day, whenever we get together, to the dismay of all my other mates, we will regale tales from our, uh, our time uh, on our gap year traveling around the world. And when we get stuck in, we get so excited, reminiscing, digging into the past. Um, we had a wonderful time. Um, more recently, here's another picture, a momentous occasion in my life. I got engaged to Abby, um, and uh, we're now married, again, had hair. Um, so, uh, yeah, as I, I catfished Abby, and um, it's a terrible thing. Um, but she was very kind and patient with me. Um, but we got married together, and again, we actually um, regularly will go, that was in Bath, we'll go back to Bath together, um, and we'll remember some of the things um, that we did together, we'll go back to the glory days before we were three years married, and having a really fun time, and not worrying about jobs, and stuff like that, um, but we'll dig back into our past, we'll go, wow, wasn't it amazing, those times back then, wasn't that uh, a beautiful moment um, in our lives? Because it's probably the same for, for all of us. We love getting around, sitting down at a table, and remembering and reminiscing over things that have happened in the past. And you've probably got your, your mates or your friends or your family or whoever it is that you'll have those stories that you love going back to, the glory days, the good old days. It's a beautiful thing that we love to do as human beings is remember and these passages here, when we look at communion, the one foundation of communion is communion is about remembering. It's about remembering back to the historical Jesus, God incarnate, here fully God, fully man, here on earth, a real life person who died for us, a real life death, and rose again a new human. And at the heart of communion for us is remembering. When we talk about, and Jesus talked about the, the bread and the wine, it was reminiscent and almost like a, a physical reminder of his body and his blood. And when we come to communion as people who follow Jesus, we look to that and we actively engage our minds to remember back to the story of the Bible, the story that we're now living and are a part of, where God created a beautiful world that was perfect. Adam and Eve in the garden, walking, were made with very good creation, very good. But then in comes sin. In comes our brokenness. Um, in comes the natural human state that we all have in us, that is skewed towards, I want to make sure that I'm okay. I want to look out for number one. And actually, even as we look around now in the world, we see brokenness. When you switch on the news, when you just walk around this city, you'll see brokenness. You'll see really tricky things happening. Paul says it's like um, the earth is groaning in the pains of childbirth. We see a bit of a broken world. And then when we turn inside to ourselves and we look down deep, I know I get this too, I see a broken human being. Someone that struggles with forgiveness, someone that struggles with hard-heartedness, someone that struggles with not just caring about myself, someone that struggles with not being free, someone that struggles with guilt, with shame, 
maybe you can relate a little bit to that too. I think probably, if we're completely honest, we'd all relate to that. But then, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not die but have eternal life. Then Jesus stepped into the world, fully God, fully human. And for us, he went to a cross to take on that brokenness, that sin, the things that we had done that, um, that feels like inside we're kind of being pulled in two different directions. He took that on, died a death in the place of the stuff that we do wrong, in the place of a broken world, was pinned up on a cross, his body broken, so that broken people like you and me can made whole because after three days he rose again. Sin forgiven. And then we're restored back to God's original plan. When we turn to Jesus, we say, Jesus, I'm messed up and I know it. Our world's messed up and we know it. But God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. And we have the opportunity to be able to respond to that and to say, yes, Jesus, thank you so much. I'm sorry for when I've messed up. I'm sorry for when I'm going to mess up. <laughs> but I thank you that you offer me forgiveness. And on the cross, we're made whole, we're renewed, we're restored. When we put Jesus as king. So we come to communion when you see people taking communion all over the world. What people are actively doing is actively turning their mind, like we do when we sit down and have little discussions about the good old days. We turn our mind towards Jesus on the cross, dying for you, for me, for us, so that we can be made whole again. It's remembering. But it's so much more than that. See, in that 1 Corinthians 11 passage, in verse 26, it says, for, whoever, uh, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. See, collectively, when we take communion, what we're also doing, as well as remembering, is we are proclaiming. We're proclaiming to ourselves, we're proclaiming to each other, we're actually proclaiming to the world that Jesus died, he rose again, and he'll come again. Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. You'll often hear us say that whenever we take communion here at church. It's a proclamation that we're saying that Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Essentially, it's a gospel message, little precies of a, of a gospel message, all squeezed into one, that when we say it collectively together, as a church, not just here in Woodlands, here now, but as a church across the whole world, we're declaring to ourselves real-life truth, we're declaring to the person next to us, real life truth and we're declaring to the world that there is hope I've got a bit of a wonky car it's a wonky car because um, slowly over time the steering wheel and the, uh, the wheels themselves are slightly out, out of alignment <laughs> and so if I want to go straight my, I have to sort of do this to go straight and it's getting worse and worse and worse and worse <laughs> and my steering wheel is kind of this is me going straight at the moment um, I need to do something about this <laughs> um, I need to recalibrate my car I need to realign everything that's there and again communion is like an opportunity for us to do some realigning 
It's an opportunity for us to do some recalibrating. It's an opportunity, as Dave will, will often say, our senior pastor, he says, it's an opportunity for spiritual hygiene. Where we could just take a moment to just check in and say, how am I doing inside? Is the car in alignment? Or am I really, is it getting worse and worse and worse? And I haven't addressed the issue. And I just need to get that checked in and get an MOT. Communion is such a great space for you to get a little internal MOT. That's what we'd love to invite you into. It's an opportunity for you to check what's going on inside, to look internally and see some of the brokenness that we've all got. That's an opportunity to check it in with the great God, engineer God. And say, hey, God, do you know what? I've messed up a little bit this week. I'm really sorry. Come and realign me. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him shall not die, but have eternal life. That's an invitation for all of us. Maybe it's the first time you'll do that. And actually, we'd love to invite you um, at the end of this little talky bit to have communion. If you're brand new to faith, if you're exploring, but you acknowledge that some of that's kind of internal-ness and, um, and maybe you haven't heard that Jesus is, is actually the answer to that. I know it for my own life. I could tell you lots of stories of how messed up I've, I am and have been and how Jesus completely spun it the other way. Joy in difficult times. Peace when peace doesn't make sense. A sense of, uh, of forgiveness and freedom that I've not experienced with anything else that I've tried looking for. But when we come to Jesus, when we turn to him, the forgiveness he offers covers everything. We are set free. But communion is more than remembering, it's more than proclaiming, actually it's participating as well. You might have heard some of those um, slightly peculiar verses that if you're brand new to faith and it's the whole bathing in the brother, lamb brother, um, you might think, what the heck is going on? How do I participate in the body of Christ and participate in the blood of, of Jesus? What does that even mean or look like or what? What is going on there? Imagine what the disciples felt like, the followers of Jesus, when Jesus says, hey, take this, it's my body, <laughs> and this is my blood. <laughs> no, Jesus, <laughs> that's bread, <laughs> and that's wine. <laughs> that's not it. Um, that's weird, isn't it? It is strange, it's peculiar. If you take it at its surface level, if you take it as just bread and wine, if you take it as the Lord's Supper, you think, that isn't a meal either. I won't get filled up on a little kind of bit of bread and a little kind of bit of juice. That's not a meal for me. See, what it's alluding to and what Jesus is pointing towards, actually, first he's looking back and he's, it, it's framed within this Passover meal that we would have read um, in, um, in that passage in Luke. And it's, a, it's for those, uh, the Jewish people, they're looking back and remembering a Passover meal a time when um, the people of Israel um, were um, enslaved in prison and, the, uh, and God's people um, were told, if you put a bit of blood above your doorframe, the angel of the Lord will pass over your house. You'll be set free. 
every other house that doesn't have a, a, a smear of blood across the top, um, the angel of the Lord will come in and, uh, and they'll be killed. But you'll be set free. And it's in this context of, of, of the Jewish people that are already in this meal, that having this meal, it's a, a new, it's a, a regular part of their, their practice. It still is to this day a regular part of their practice. It's within this context that Jesus reframes it to say, hey, you know that saving blood that you, your ancestors had to put above the door? What I'm saying that I'm pointing towards a moment but me, Jesus, I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to be the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate blood that's wiped across the door of your life that says that you are now free forever. And so Jesus is framing it not only within a physical thing of bread and wine, but he's framing it into the spiritual that's happening behind the scenes. See, if it is a meal here, it's a tiny little meal. A little bit of bread, a little bit of wine. But spiritually, this is a feast. And what we are offered here, when it says participate in the bread and the blood, is it saying we are participating in what was won when Jesus died on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, the spiritual thing that happens behind the scenes was it means that as we remember, as we look back, it's almost like internally we reach out to the things that happened back then and we pull them into now. We reach out and we receive freedom. We receive forgiveness. We receive peace with God, joy in Christ, freedom from fear. We receive guidance, healing from sickness. Paul later on says, by his stripes, you are healed. By the wounds that are on Jesus, we are healed. When we come here, we should be expectant that we can grab and receive the things lovingly that Christ bought for us freedom from temptation, and hope for the future. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. If you're feeling spiritually hungry, spiritually thirsty, I can tell you where you will never be hungry and thirsty again. And that's at this table here. When you take the little bit of bread, the little bit of wine, when you remember, when we proclaim, and we participate. But it's not just about the past. It's not just about the present. It's also about the future. In Luke 22, um, verse 16, Jesus says, let me just flick to it now. Jesus says, For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. What's going on there? See, this is communion. It's not just a present thing that's going on. It's also an eschatological meal. Now, that's a, a posh old word. Let me tell you, I said that just so I'd look really clever. <laughs> I didn't. Um, that is a word that um, theologians use that refers to the end of time, that refers to um, the end of the world and new heaven and new earth coming in. See, what Jesus is saying here is that actually this meal is also a foretaste, it's looking into the future of what is going to be happening. So that when we come here, we don't just remember, we don't just proclaim, we don't just participate. But we also look forward to a future where there is no more 
hurting. There's no more pain. When even though Jesus said, it is finished, and we think, wow, amazing. Okay, so I believe Jesus, and everything's going to be better again. The world is going to be made right. We know from reality that it's not. And that's because we're living in this now and not yet moment. So you've probably heard, if you've been around church for a while, it's been said a lot of times. We're living in a time now when we're seeing bits of the kingdom of the God, of kingdom of God coming in to our world now, but we're not quite there yet. And what this meal points towards is the end. When there is hope, when there is ultimate unity. And actually, Rachel um, Riddle this morning um, spoke on the same topic. I'd recommend watching it. It was a very good talk. Go back onto YouTube, check it out. Um, but she read this little passage in Revelation that just gives us a little, a beautiful insight into what the end looks like and what we've got hope in, what we're looking forward to. And it's in Revelation 7. Um, verse 9 through to verse 10. And this is, um, this is John, a guy called John, who um, wrote this, who um, got lots of revelation from God and, and um, recorded it down here. And, and here's what it says. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And we have this beautiful image of ultimate unity of people from every tongue, tribe, and nation that come together. And we see that in this meal that we know even today, all across the world, people from every nation will be taking communion. It's a foretaste of the future when there'll be ultimate unity where everyone comes together, where every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, where there is hope, where there is um, ultimate peace, where we're in, we're in right relationship with God. We're in right relationship with each other. This is the hope that we wait for. This is the hope that we long for. This is the hope that actually we participate in, even beyond this meal as we go out into our regular day-to-day -day life. We participate in, in the kind of heavenization of our world, in the heavenization of Bristol. We're a part of seeing this city being changed and transformed. We can't do that by ourselves. We need the power of God. We know ultimate transformation, ultimate change comes from Jesus. So one of the practices that we do here at, at church is, um, is we'll always have prayer ministry offered whenever we take communion. Because communion brings heaven breaking into earth. And when we're in that, that place that's close between heaven and earth, there's an amazing opportunity for God to touch and change our lives. So we're in a place of forgiveness from the past, hope for the future, combined with faith in the present. It makes fertile ground for the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's where we want to go now. There's a lot there. But I want to just invite you now, as we take a time to respond to these true things that we read in the Bible, to take an active pause. 
You're remembering takes an intentional zoning in of our mind. We intentionally need to look at something. There's no neutral place when we're remembering Jesus and Jesus' death on the cross. There's no neutral place. We have to actively be remembering and thinking about it. Do this in remembrance of me. We're going to take a moment now, just for us all over this room, and equally for people that are watching online as well, just to take a pause. I'm just going to be quiet. And maybe this is an opportunity for you to look back and remember what Jesus did for you. Maybe it's an opportunity if you've never looked at Jesus and seen life and life to the full. Maybe this is the opportunity for you for the first time. Just say, hey, God, I'm not sure you're real. Maybe you are. But I like the sound of life to the full. Maybe you haven't had communion for a long time. And you just want to do some of that recalibrating. Things feel a little bit out of alignment. Maybe this is an opportunity just to bring some of that stuff that's been going on on the inside to God. Say, God, I'm just sorry for this stuff that's happening. I'm all out of kilter. We're just going to take a couple of minutes. Just pause to be quiet. And don't let your mind wander. Zone it in on God, on Jesus, on the cross. It's not weird or strange to be quiet for a long time. It's weird or strange for us. But church is active, and this is a real participating thing. And it's not just a thing that we watch and listen. It's a thing that we, we engage with. I just encourage you if there's uh, deeper things that maybe you've not let God touch certain areas of your life, or you're like, oh, yeah, Jesus, you could be Lord of that stuff, but I'm keeping this little thing to myself. Maybe now is an opportunity as well to say, hey, Jesus, I want to give you that thing too. We're going to take some time now to go into communion, that thing that we've read about, we've heard about.
that we now get an opportunity to participate in. Um, and Nigel's just going to come up and invite different people into uh, to this table.